Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. What are we talking about today? I wanted to talk about adversarial examples. So these are cases that you'd give to a machine learning algorithm and say, classify this machine learning algorithm. And then even though it looks like a kitten, it says that it's a computer monitor. Oh, you're trying to defeat it. Yep. Aha. All right. You are listening to Linear Digressions. When does a kitten ever look like a computer monitor? Oh, well, I mean, I have an answer for you right now, which is, well, we'll put a post to this on, uh, or a link to this on LinearDigressions.com, as always. But um, there's been a lot of advances around adversarial examples. And at OpenAI, they have done exactly this. They have a bunch of pictures of kittens and then, uh, and then machine learning algorithms that are classifying it as a computer monitor. And I don't know, they just look like kittens to me, but uh, the machine learning algorithms seem very sure that they are computer monitors. Interesting. So the so the machine learning algorithms are wrong in this case? Yeah, so these are very or, particularly or engineered pictures of kittens. Maybe we're wrong. Yeah, so this is, <laughs> this is not any ordinary picture of a kitten, right? Okay. Um, and that's the thing that's so interesting here is that the idea is you take a you take a real picture of a kitten and if you were to put this into say your average computer vision algorithm it would know that it's a kitten because these algorithms are pretty good at this point but then you apply perturbations to the picture in a way that's engineered in particular to try to make it still look like a kitten but it's going to nudge the machine learning algorithm toward thinking that it's something else. So that's why they call these adversarial examples is they're specifically engineered to fool machine learning algorithms. Mm. You can, you can do this with humans too. Um, although uh, like our, our brains, I guess, work a little differently than the, the um, vision systems that we would be fooling in these examples. But like, if you take a, a picture really close up of something you can engineer it to look like something else, even though it's actually a picture of of something. And, and once you know what the thing is, it's very clear. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's funny about these is that they really do look like pictures of kittens. Uh, for the mm-hmm. most part, when you look at it, you're not like, oh, that's an optical illusion where I can I can see that it's a kitten, but like it also sort of looks like a monitor. No, it just looks like a kitten. This is just a picture of a kitten. And then they introduce noise or nudge pixels around and see how the machine learning algorithm classifies it as they introduce this noise. Right. Yes. Oh, and then they just keep introducing noise in ways where the machine learning algorithm uh, notices it as being a little bit less like a kitten or a little bit more like a computer monitor or a plant or something like that. Yeah. So you have to pretty carefully construct these kinds of adversarial examples. But the thing that's interesting is that in the last couple of years, since the last time we talked about this, we've talked about this at least once before. Um, there's been a lot of progress, I guess. Uh, we've gotten a lot better at understanding how to make these adversarial examples. And so while there's, they still take some pretty careful construction, it's a little bit frightening how easy it appears to be to fool some of these algorithms. So why, not to be cruel, but because uh, it is kittens, but why do we, why do we care? Like, why do I care if I'm some malicious, the most evil person. Why, why do I care whether a machine learning algorithm is classifying something as a computer monitor versus a kitten? Yeah, so there are a few things that seem to be true about these cases that are a little bit unsettling. The first is that 
when computer scientists and you know, machine learning researchers first started studying adversarial examples, it, it, the the examples felt a little bit like they were, uh, you know, grown in a in a dish in a lab. So they mm. would make a, a usually a neural network that would design a very specific set of inputs that would go into another neural network and then would fool it. And the thinking was, well, this isn't an issue in the real world in the same way, because let's think of like a really important computer vision task. So one example of this is the computer vision that goes into self-driving cars. So the question is, could you fool a self-driving car? And I think we could agree that that would be really scary if there's right. a, a picture that you could print off that fooled a self-driving car into thinking that there's, you know, a toddler that's running across the road or something and it flips out. Um, and so the thinking was, well, the thing about self-driving cars is that they have, they have a few things that are, are different from just a raw neural net, right? They have several different sets of sensors that are taking data on the, you know, the surroundings from different angles. Uh, they're moving, and so they're collecting many different uh, pictures of kind of the same thing. Uh, and so you would have to make an adversarial example that wasn't just able to fool it like at its first glance, but fooled it from many different angles mm. and from repeated glances over time and as you're kind of going by it, and that that would be harder to construct an example like that. Now, it turns out that this picture of a kitten... One of the things about this picture of a kitten is that they tried a lot of, they were able to make up an adversarial example that is robust to a lot of the simple perturbations that you might make. So for oh, example, really? yeah, so you can zoom in, you can zoom out. It still thinks it's a computer monitor. You can rotate it. Still wow. thinks it's a computer monitor. You can move it from side to side. It still thinks that it's a computer monitor. So these are some of the simple things that you think would protect you and they don't right so so in the simple case you have an adversarial example that if you show it exactly perfectly square in exactly the center and with the right lighting or with the right whatever uh only then does it think it's a computer monitor or only then does it think it's a toddler running across the road or only then does it misrepresent it as or misinterpret it as whatever thing the malicious uh, nefarious person wants but what you're saying is you can actually create examples that that work not just in those perfect ideal cases but actually at all kinds of angles and and whatnot that is what it looks like yes that so that's a little is less a lot more terrifying yeah because I guess from before, from talking about it before, it seemed like okay if you can get the conditions just right, then you can then you can fool it. Yes. And I I took a little bit of comfort in knowing that well you know if the conditions aren't just right because whenever they, when are they ever, then we'll be okay. Here's the second thing that's a little bit unsettling is oh, that there's in, more. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. But wait, we're not done. So <laughs> in the first round of studying adversarial examples, like I said, they were kind of grown in the lab. And in the lab, the researcher has access to the, the neural network that's being fooled or the algorithm that's being fooled. And so you could use feedback from that network 
to make a, an example that was really exquisitely tuned for, for fooling that network. So in the other words, if I'm trying to like fool the person that I um, sit next to at work, let's say, then I can experiment on that person every day and I see when I'm able to fool them and I see when I'm not. And from that, I can learn how to like fool them again in the future. Mm-hmm. But let's say what I'm interested in doing is like fooling a new random person, right? And so I can practice with the person I sit next to all day, but I've arguably, maybe, I've only learned how to fool that one person. And if I didn't have access to to them over all those training cases, then I wouldn't have like learned how to be uh, so good at fooling people. And so right. even though I've learned how to like, fool one neural network in this case, do those adversarial examples then transfer to fool other types of algorithms where I don't have access to the underlying algorithm, right? I'm not growing it in a lab. Somebody else has built it. All I have is like throw my best shot at it to try to fool this like brand new neural network. And the thing that's a little bit unsettling, but you can guess where this is going. I don't want to believe is that you can make transferable adversarial examples. So even though you don't have Mm. access to the self-driving car algorithm, if you have access to your own algorithm that you think is a pretty good computer vision mock-up that's similar to a self-driving car algorithm, you can just train on that neural net in your house, come up with an adversarial example, and if you print it out and you go show it to a self-driving car, there's a decent chance that the self-driving car will also be fooled. Mm, because a lot of these ne- a lot of these networks work in similar kinds of ways. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that it's like perfectly well understood, honestly, at this point. They just know that they're able to do it in, in some wow. cases. That's even more frightening. Yep. We don't know why. Yikes. And then the last thing. <laughs> the last thing? This, the last this thing. is just another thing. bad thing. One more thing, and then we're done. Oh. Then you can go back to your life. Um, the last thing is maybe you're listening to this and you're like, well, but the examples that we're talking about here, it's like you have two different neural networks and you can, you can take, or you have maybe just one neural network and you're feeding your adversarial examples straight into that neural network. So you have direct access to like the inputs to Mm -hmm. the algorithm. And this is a little bit different from your typical computer vision task because in a self-driving car, the way that we're imagining hacking a self-driving car is not that we walk up with like a USB port and we plug into it and we feed it an adversarial example directly, right? It's that we like print something out and we show it to the camera. And then the camera does, you know, picks up the photons and it transfers them into electrical signal and that electrical signal goes into the machine learning algorithm. And so maybe the presence of the camera protects against some of the easier to to generate adversarial examples because the camera maybe like applies a little bit of noise there's some uncertainty about what the processing from the camera does and so if you could directly access the machine learning algorithm maybe we'd be in trouble but in terms of like creating a physical object that could fool a neural net that that would still be a long way off because we have kind of this intermediary measurement device that's not as knowable as the as the algorithm itself right i know what you're about to say is nope that's not true nope that's not (laughs) true (laughs) it it almost feels like that's that's kind of an extrapolation from the from number one which is that if you have 
your perfect example and you think, oh, okay, well, slightly imperfect examples won't work, right? It adversarial examples that are a little bit off. The camera on the self-driving car is effectively adding that little bit of distortion or a little bit of, of offset or a little bit of rotation or whatever it is. So if you find examples that can um, fool your algorithm in not perfect conditions, that's effectively what your camera is, is it adds a little bit of imperfect imperfection to the conditions. Yep. Yeah. And so there's a pretty cute example. This is from a paper, which again, we will link to on lineardigressions.com, adversarial examples in the physical world, where what they did was made some adversarial examples, and then they actually printed them off on a piece of paper side by side with real examples that look to my eye exactly the same. They have a physical piece of paper and it's got a picture of a bowl and a picture of, I can't quite tell what the second one is. And the third one looks like a dog. And they have two copies of each of these three pictures that look identical to my eye. Print it on a piece of paper, tape it to a wall, take a picture with a cell phone camera, take that image from the cell phone camera and pass it into their, uh, their classifier and the classifier gets one of the pictures right and it gets one of the pictures wrong. So we've created a physical object, this piece of paper that then when we go to make a measurement with it of it with the cell phone camera, the presence of the wow. cell phone camera, the fact that we've printed this out is not protecting us in any meaningful way from the neural net being fooled. And that is also frightening. <laughs> so it seems that like the natural response would be okay well then we just need to make our uh, our algorithms a little bit better right i mean honestly uh, that's i think that's the best answer that most people seem to have to this right now is they're <laughs> like i guess we need to make keep making good algorithms or you know training good neural nets that seem to be robust against these mm -hmm. adversarial examples like i said my eye can't tell the difference between but the real run and the adversarial yeah. one. So I would need a, I would need a machine learning algorithm to tell me which one is which. Then again, human eyes are not very are not very good uh, input devices. Well, yeah, but truly. like we're doing computer vision here, right? So like yeah. I think it's fair to hold the human eye as like the gold standard. Anyway, that's me pontificating well, a little bit. But uh, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at these pictures and there's two pictures of a dog and one of them is like, "Oh no, this is like a washing machine or whatever i'm like that's not a washing machine that's a dog and if your computer vision algorithm is telling me otherwise then you're wrong yeah no that's true that's true <laughs> um while while we're talking about cats it'll it'll just continue to be a cat and mouse cat and mouse game though because as your algorithms get better then you're just gonna you're just gonna um keep training malicious algorithms that are creating adversarial examples on those new ones right yeah it does feel like an arms race yeah. Well, I guess that's the world. Yeah, that's I, I I got nothing else to say right now. Like, that's just where we're, we're leaving this. But yeah, I, I mean, to be continued, <laughs> I think it's it's a very active area of research. In fact, I think there's a a Kaggle competition that's starting up pretty soon that is explicitly trying to make algorithms that are fooling each other and stuff. So it's getting a lot of attention lately. But um, yeah, I don't. Right now, it doesn't seem like it has a solution. So, uh, we'll see. <laughs> Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. 
if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at lineardigressions.com and katie at lineardigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at lindigressions. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.